well if you have a copy of God's Word and invite you to open it with me to the book of James. Uh, for one last time for the summer, we'll be beginning a new summer series next week called Seek. I'm excited about that. I hope you'll make plans to join us for that. Uh, but don't despair. We will be back to the book of James. And if you're glad we're done for a season, warning, we'll be back to the book of James. So. Uh, it's been helpful for me, and I pray that it has been for you as well as we've thought about what it looks like for our uh, faith to be in action, our faith to, to propel our lives forward. So uh, excited to study, though, in this last week of this uh, first part of this series, one of the most popular passages here in the book of James. There are several you could say that about because James has so many sections that are familiar to those who would have a church background. But this is perhaps one of the more famous passages here. And uh, I, I know I'm thinking about a question I want to ask before I dive all the way in today. I'm ready to preach today. I, I had a week off, so I'm just like the pinup preacher ready to go, okay? But let me set up the passage by asking you, how do you respond to a great sermon that you hear? Now, I know that some of you may be thinking, well, when I hear one, I'll let you know. Uh, so let me go ahead and do that joke before you can say it to me on the way out. But, but here's what I know. We are absolutely blessed to live in an age where we have access to so much incredible Bible content. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous how many resources are out there for you and me today. Uh, when I was a younger, up-and-coming preacher, I remember having some older pastors would just ask me, like, man, your communication skill, like, how have you gotten, you know, able to communicate the word so clearly at this age? And some of you are like, I'd like to go back to that age, Rusty, but we're fine. I got older and got worse. It's fine. But in the midst of that question, here's the answer that I attribute it to. There was a little something that happened in the early 2000s called the podcast. So as I was becoming a pastor, all of a sudden, available to me at my fingertips via this invention called the iPod, was sermon audio from all over, literally all over the world, let alone the states. So I listened to so much content and so many preachers from so many different backgrounds, and it shaped me and helped me become the communicator that I am today as I worked on developing my own voice. There were a while where I sounded like some of those guys. Now you're like, who does he sound like? Uh, nobody. It's me, right? By the God's grace over uh, years of preaching week in and week out, the Lord has kind of helped me develop my own preaching voice. But I know that I got better because of those resources. Fast forward to today, Jaden, our ministry intern, is called to ministry, and he hopes to preach the word, and that be his calling in life. And right now, Jaden is going to have a leg up on, on my generation because there's this thing now called YouTube. Have you ever heard of it? There's like video now is available, not just audio, but basically every single preacher out there, from the most famous ones to yahoos like me, you can find video of people preaching, and it's going to help sharpen him as a communicator. But it's not just preaching that I'm talking about. I've said this before, but for free, right now, in most of our pockets, is a device with connection to the internet that would allow us to access resources and theological libraries that your grandfather's pastor couldn't have imagined having access to. Isn't that wild? For free today, you and I have access to, a, a couple generations ago, the greatest preachers didn't have access to the information you and I have today for free in your pocket right now. It's astounding to me. 
But here's the question that I want to just humbly ask. In a world of instant and abundant biblical information, is our culture more or less shaped by the scriptures? I think you could easily argue that we're further away from the biblical model of society today than we've been. I think you could argue that we're further away from the biblical model of the family. I think you could argue that we're further away from the biblical model of church. So what are we to make of this? James today in this text is going to speak directly into this issue, and I think it's going to be so helpful for us today as we consider how we receive and respond to the Word of God. So let's start here together in James chapter 1, verse 19. The Word of the Lord says this, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone who looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that you would bless the teaching and preaching of your word and help us to be a blessed people. And you say that a blessed person is the one who not only hears the word but does it. So help us to understand what that means today and to be able to actually walk this out in our day in and day out life. Uh, we just thank you for this opportunity. What a pleasure and a joy it is to gather with the saints and hear from you through your word. So speak to us, Lord, and give us ears that are attentive and ready to hear. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, James is making a bit of a shift here from talking about how we deal with trials to really how we deal with and handle the truth. And the first truth I want us to see in this text is a call to humbly receive the Word of God. To humbly receive the Word of God. As we approach this passage, there are really a ton of things we could preach about, right? Like if you're, you already, when I read verse 19 and 20, you thought you knew what this sermon was about and you could have had five or six different options. We could preach a lot of really good topical messages. I think that would even be appropriate to do at some point in time. Uh, we certainly could use a message about the danger of the tongue. Don't amen too loud and look at somebody next to you, right? Man, couldn't we all use a message about dealing with anger and our emotional issues that sometimes get the best of it? Yes, yes and amen. And there's reason to address that and tons of scripture that does just that. But I want to really zoom out a bit and look at the broader theme of this text that James is bringing up. So if you'll notice, there is a word that is repeated, and that word is word. In verse 21, we see talk of the word. In verse 22, in verse 23, and in verse 25, we see word, word, the law of freedom, the perfect law. All of these words and phrases are talking about the Bible, the word of God. And it's a call for you and I to think about how it is we receive the word. How do you react to the word? And when you see that context in this passage, it changes the way you look at verses 19 and 20. 
These commands are really in light of this idea that we are to humbly receive the word of God. And if you and I are not careful, we approach the word of God with pride rather than humility. And when we approach the word with pride, what are the results? Being quick to speak. Welling up with anger. Haven't you seen some of these reactions in yourself? I think this tends to show up a couple of ways. First, sometimes people feel attacked when you bring up the truth of Scripture. How dare you, pastor? I don't hear that a lot, but it happens. You knew I was dealing with this, so you brought that up today. I'm like, yes, 500 people listening, and I just really zeroed in on you. I, listen, y'all, I love you so much, I'd send you a text before I'd waste a sermon on just you. I mean, y'all really think preachers have no life, that they're just sitting at home thinking about you, right? All right, well, sorry about that. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Rusty, remember, remember. But people will say things like, surely that's not what the Bible means. Or, Pastor, that's just your interpretation. There are other ways to think about that. I've seen this happen, especially in a couple situations, like if the Bible runs contrary to your political opinions, almost certainly anger wells up. Or perhaps when the Bible runs contrary to your lifestyle choices or the lifestyle choices of friends and family in your life, it causes us to kind of well up with anger and frustration. We feel attacked we see those responses in the text pride causes us to swell up to get angry to try to speak up to make a case for ourselves or to explain why this must not apply to me because this is different you ever been there we get that inner lawyer to work we've talked about him before he's good isn't he all of you have one, and the inner lawyer is really good at defending ourselves. So our response, it really looks a lot like verse 19 and 20. But on the other side of this, equally dangerous, so sometimes pride makes us well up with anger or speaking out to try to defend ourselves. Sometimes, though, I think pride makes us say, yes, this is certainly true, but this isn't talking about me. This is talking about those people. And if you're that person, what you end up doing is taking the word of God and instead of letting it be medicine to your sick soul, you take it and wield it as a sword not to divide your spirit and to convict and challenge you, but you use it to turn it sideways and clobber people upside the head with it. And that shows up in like what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Man, if only my sister would have been here to hear this one today. I hope my wife was listening. Don't look at us. Some of y'all looked, right? <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. So which one of these are you? When you hear the word of God, when you approach the word of God, when it confronts you, do you well up with anger, frustration? Do you try to wiggle out of it with the inner lawyer? How is it that you receive the word? Whether it be personally as you read the Bible, maybe in a Bible study, or maybe here on Sunday mornings as we're preaching the Word, are you reacting to the Word of God in your flesh? Or are you responding to the Word of God in the Spirit? That's an important question, isn't it? 
Are you asking God to speak to you when you come to church on Sunday mornings or are you sitting there saying, all right, preacher, what you got today? Entertain me. Teach me something new I've never heard before. Even though I've been in church 80 years. I just want to tell you, you can find preachers who are teaching you new content if you've been in church for 80 years and the Lord can show you new things. But here's what I want to tell you. If they're teaching you something you've never heard before, there's a good chance it's heresy. You send me that in a podcast, say, you got to listen to this pastor, and I listen to it, and I'm like, I've never heard that before in, you know, 2,000 years of Orthodox Christianity. Warning! <laughs> right? That's fine. I can tell some of you are going to send me a YouTube video when we're done. It's fine. So when you show up, are you, are you listening for the Spirit of God to speak to your heart and communicate truth to you? Do you show up expecting to hear from God on Sunday mornings? And I, I mean, it's easy for us right now to be like, yeah, that's why we're here. But, but I can just tell you, as the pastor, there are times where it's Sunday morning and we're rolling up. We're trying to get here. We're trying to get everything done. You know, the iPads don't work and the check-ins say we're all panicking. And it's like, all right, James 1, here we go. Right? But what if we really believe that every time we open up the word of God, that God himself has a message for you? Doesn't that change the way we should approach the word? Are you coming like a beggar to the word of God, asking the Lord to nourish your soul with the very bread of life? You see, brothers and sisters, our posture toward the word of God matters a great deal. I don't know that we think about this enough. When we humbly receive the word of God, here's what happens. We stop trying to make excuses when we're confronted. We stop trying to say, I didn't like the way he said that. We, we stop saying, well, that wasn't for me. We stop getting mad and saying, I can't believe he had the audit. No, instead, we receive the word. We don't point the finger at others. Instead, we stop talking. We're quick to listen. We're slow to speak. We humble ourselves. And by God's grace, can I tell you what the result of that is when we humbly receive the word? Verse 21 says that we are putting away filth and evil. We are making rid of that. We are getting it out of here. I love the ESV there says, literally, just put away all filth and rampant sin in your life. Get rid of it. But in order to do that, you've got to humbly receive the word of God. When we do that, it changes us. But this only happens when we lay down our pride and humbly receive what God has for us. But not only are we called to humbly receive the word of God, James also in this text is going to call us to humbly respond to the word of God. In verses 22 through 25, this is abundantly clear. We don't just receive the word of God, but we must hear it and do it. I think this is a danger that we deal with in the church, especially in a great church like ours. And I really do believe that we are a great church. Here's why. Man, you guys not only let me, but encourage me to preach the whole counsel of Scripture. Amen. And we have messages that are a lot of times difficult to hear. And we've had seasons where I remember walking through Titus, the first couple chapters. Some of you looked like you'd been beat up when you left here. I didn't enjoy that. But do you know what you told me? Keep going, Pastor. Keep going. 
And I'm so thankful for that. I literally, I, I can count on one hand the amount of times in the time I've been your pastor that people have been upset or taken exception to something that I have taught from the Word of God. And we've not shied away from addressing very difficult topics and cultural issues. And in today's church world, I think that's a rare thing. But, but while I encourage you, can I also lovingly challenge you today? Because here's something that I've noticed in 10 plus years of pastoring in the South and in the Midwest, all different points of the Bible Belt, but still somewhat in the Bible Belt. We love us a good, hard sermon. You do. People have been coming to this church like crazy, and they say, man, I, that's one of the reasons people have been coming to our church. They're like, you're not afraid to tell it like it is. I feel like, the, you know, like, what are you acting like I'm the Clint Eastwood of pastors? Come on now. Isn't that hard? But that's what we, and we love a good, challenging, convicting sermon. People tell me on the way out, oh, I should have worn my steel toe boots today. Pastor, you got on me. And we, we, in some weird way, almost enjoy that. But here's the messed up part about that. As much as we enjoy a challenging, convicting, hard sermon, the reality is oftentimes before we get to the bottom of our first basket of chips and salsa, we have moved on. We've moved on. And we come back next week and say, convict us again, preacher. Challenge us again. So you may humbly receive the word, but I think we've been almost lulled into a false sense of security by simply hearing the word. But James is not leaving room for that here. Listen to me, church. Hearing and agreeing with the word of God is not the same as hearing and doing the word of God. You hear me? I'm going to say that again because some of you were sleeping and missed it. Hearing and agreeing with the word of God is not the same as hearing and doing the word of God. If you're not doing the word you're missing what God is actually wanting to do in your life James compares this to looking at a mirror you may stop and stare for a minute but then you walk away and immediately forget what you look like does that describe your Sunday morning do you hear the word and say man that was a challenging word today let's get home and turn on the football game or let's go and kind of get our next week reset let's deal with this big family crisis James says, if you're a hearer and not a doer, you may be simply deceiving yourself. Friends, I want to say this with a great deal of caution, but it's worth mentioning. James, as we've noted throughout this series, consistently is calling back to the Sermon on the Mount. And this passage seems to be tying back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, where Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Isn't that a sobering passage? I'm convinced today that many people are deceived, lulled into a false sense of security because of their Bible knowledge, their faithful attendance. 
will say to the Lord one day, Lord, Lord, I knew all the theology. Lord, I listened to sermons all the time. I loved a good hard message. We switched churches eight times to find a preacher who'd finally preach the word. And the Lord will say, I, I don't know you. James is warning us of the danger and deception that can creep into our lives when we hear the word, but don't ever do it. Let's not only humbly receive the word of God, but brothers and sisters, we need to humbly respond to it and become doers. But I love how practical James gets in this passage as he talks about these truths. What does it look like to receive and respond in a humble way to the word of God? I want to describe these truths in two very practical ways. And in a sense, I'm really just restating the two truths we've done. But I hope this will make them a little bit more practical. So first, if we're going to receive and respond to the word of God, we need to intently look at God's word. We need to intently look at God's word. We see this language used in verses 23 through 25, and I love this. In the Greek language, this phrase, intently look at, is used two different times. First, about the person who intently looks in a mirror and then forgets what he looked like, and then the person who intently looks at the word of God. And this word translated as intently looks literally means to stoop down. It's the idea of not being able to see something because something's in your way, so you have to kind of squat down so you can actually see what it is that you're looking for. So the text says that we are to stoop down and look at the Word of God, to, to lower ourselves in order to see something. So in the language James is writing with, he's intentionally using this phrase that if you want to receive God's truth in a way that will lead to you responding to God's truth, then you've got to get low enough to receive it. You've got to humble yourself. And those who will get low, the one who humbles himself in order to see God's truth and receive his word, that is the person who is blessed in their doing. Isn't that good? So how is it that we bend down? Do we need to put our Bibles on the floor or something like that? You know, here's some of you are like, you said you were going to get practical, Pastor. Here's what I think James is alluding to. We need to be intentional about getting in the word of God. See, stooping down, like it's the idea of like, I got to do something if I'm going to see it. It's the idea of being intentional about getting in God's word in such a way that you can see his truth. I want to ask you, do you have an intentional plan to get in God's word? Because here's the reality. It's not just going to happen. It's just going to be just like your workout plan. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I read the Bible. Yeah, I, I take some time, but you're not intently looking at the truth. I, I love the many ways that we can get and receive the Word of God in our culture. So don't hear me hating on this. But I want to just tell you with love that the verse a day sent to your phone via push notification is not enough. It's not enough. A quick glance like a text message from a friend, that's not stooping down, bending to see God's truth. I want to encourage you to have a time and a plan to read God's word. You will be blessed in your doing. That's not Pastor Rusty giving out weird blessings. It's the Bible. It literally says that. And this is consistent with the scriptures. 
Sometimes it may feel like you're having to bend over backwards. It may feel like you're having to stoop down to get in your Bible reading. But can I tell you, you are lining up with what the Bible calls you to do. You'll be blessed in your stopping and stooping as you see God's truth. He's going to begin to mold and shape you into the person he wants you to be. This is the consistent promise of Scripture. I think about Psalm 1, that wonderful, wonderful hymn that says, Blessed is the one who doesn't listen to all the wrong voices, but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law they meditate day and night. Does that describe your Bible reading plan, brothers and sisters? That's what leads to God's blessing. We don't just do a drive-by devotional and check it off the list and move on. And in the same way, I'm not just talking about length because some of you read a lot of the Bible, but it's the same way. It's an arbitrary get her done, kind of check it off the list, move on with your life. I don't care if you're reading for an hour in the morning. Are you actually receiving the word of God in such a way that you can meditate on it, think on it, and be changed by it? Oh, friends, I want to tell you that God will speak to you. He'll work in you if you let the word of God speak. And if we're just getting it done, we're missing the transforming power of the Word of God. James said that it's kind of like looking in a mirror, but you never really see the full picture. Uh, I wanted you to see a picture of an ancient mirror. Is that on there, guys? Look at that thing. Isn't it beautiful? Now, obviously, this is a modern-day, like, ancient artifact, artifact, so it's, you know, faded and things like this. But you can see on the actual mirror itself, back in the day, even if this still had its shine and its shimmer of bronze, it's got designs cut into the front of it. You never could really see yourself in a very clear way. And what I want to tell you is that James is saying, when you do a drive-by study of the Word of God, when you just kind of get it done and move on with your life, it's like looking at that thing. How many of you are seeing yourselves clearly in that? But the Word of God, brothers and sisters, is a beautiful thing that when we look at it, the Word of God says that it's like the sword that divides joint and marrow, that it's coming in, it's doing work in us in a real way, but it's not going to do that work unless we stoop down and intently look at the Word of God. Oh, are you doing this, friends? So this is truly God's Word, and if this is God's Word, and it is, if this is the way he communicates to you and me, why would we not stop down and intently gaze upon the word of God and let it see into us and change us and make us into who God wants us to be? And that's the last thing that I want us to see here. When we do that, the call is to intently build our lives around God's word. When you intently look into the word of God, then it causes you to build your life around it. Basically, we obey the word of God. Every area of our life is built on the Word of God. And I want to just tell you, this is getting harder and harder to do in our modern culture. We don't raise kids the way the world tells us we need to raise our kids. We raise our kids according to the Scriptures. We don't spend our money and build our careers the way the world says we spend our money and build our careers. We do it according to the Scriptures. We don't build our church the way the world says you can build a church. We build our church according to the Scriptures. God is real and he has spoken to us through his perfect and holy word and because this is true this is the only reasonable option is for us to submit our lives to it 
If there is a God and he has spoken to humanity through a perfect and inerrant word, why would you build your life around anything else? I want to tell you, if you build your life around the word of God, you're going to look strange to the world around you. And this is what burdens me today when I stop and think, because if, if we're honest, I don't know that you can truly say that most of us live a life that looks countercultural to the world around us. We can just be real with one another. I think our lives oftentimes are shaped more by the culture than they are the word of God. Or maybe you have this weird mix of being shaped by both and you kind of try to keep a foot in both camps. We've gotten so used to doing that that like I said earlier, we, we've kind of compartmentalized preaching. We love a good, hard, convictional sermon. We talk about how good it is and then we just move on unchanged. So, so we'll show up at church on a Sunday morning and then go on about our merry lives completely apathetic about 20 babies a day being murdered in our city. We'll, we'll come to church real excited and say, man, church was really awesome, but then we're not going to consistently come to church because, you know, we're trying to raise a kid to be the next music, sports, whatever extracurricular activity star, and that, that means we spend a bunch of money and spend a lot of weekends running all over the states trying to accomplish that. We love the Bible, but we don't really have to do all those things. Like, I love Jesus, but I'm not like those crazy Christians. You know, the ones who are actually doing what he says. Can I just, as your pastor and as your friend, try to make a case for we need more crazy Christians that look strange to the world because we are not following the world we're following Christ there's a better way to live the invitation of this text is to stoop down to stop what we're doing to stare into the truth of God's word to humbly receive it intently look at it and then respond by building your life on it the good news I have for you today friends is that we have a savior who perfectly modeled what it looks like to humbly submit to the Lord Jesus stooped down all the way as low as you could possibly go so that you and I could be enabled to stoop down as well. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we might have life. And when we have that life, we are humbled so that we can receive his word and his life and that we can build our lives around his word and his life. And it changes us forever. For those who stoop down and look into his perfect truth, the crown of life we talked about a couple weeks ago awaits. A couple chapters from now in James, he's going to say it this way, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Imagine going with me to the finest restaurant you can possibly consider. So something like Chick-fil-A or Sonic or something like that, okay? 
No, I'm kidding. I'm talking like Michelin star rated, the ones you watch on the documentaries on TV, like the nicest restaurant you could possibly go to, and you have a table reserved, and you are there, and it's an incredible experience. Everything is amazing around you. They, they bring out an appetizer, and it's something you've never heard of, but it looks incredible. It's bright and colorful, and it, the smells, you're just taking it. You're like, wow, this is awesome, but they don't stop there. They bring out soups and salads that are make all other soups and salads that you will ever have the rest of your life look ridiculous and not like soup and salad and then they bring out an entree that is creative and compelling and moves you visually and again the the smell and the aroma you're just taking it all in and some of you are getting into this preaching more than you've done the rest of the sermon and i'm just going to tell you that and then the crescendo is a dessert that is just out of this world, absolutely incredible, the presentation, it's got sparks flying off of it, you're like, this is amazing! You send your warmest regards to the chef and say, wow, absolutely incredible. The service was fantastic, this is a night we will never forget for the rest of our lives, and you get in your car, and you drive home, and as the busboy walks up to the table, he says, what in the world? They didn't eat any of their food. And you go home with your spouse and make peanut butter sandwiches and sit there at the kitchen table and say, What a night! What a night! Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that's what happens when you come to church or when you spend time in the Word personally and don't receive and respond to the Word of God. You're missing the experience. The Word of God was meant to be consumed. It is what nourishes us. And it doesn't matter who the waiter is. It doesn't matter what the building looks like. We have the bread of life available to us to nourish us, sustain us, and lead us, and make us into the men and women that God wants us to be. So will you receive it today? You remember the book of Revelation? I told John, like, eat the book right eat it take this in make this a part of you i want to see what a church looks like that eats the word of god that receives it and responds to it in such a way that we're not just talking about an experience but it is a lived experience as it does its work in us oh may that happen in our day let's pray together lord thank you for your word thank you for the challenge you've given us I pray, God, that by your grace you would help us not only to be hearers of the word, but teach us and lead us to be a people who respond to your perfect and holy word. It's in your name we pray. Amen.